Hi, this is Colin from Worse in the Industry. We have a lot of laughs on our show, and we get into some pretty heated topics, so it's important to remember that the views expressed by the hosts of Worse in the Industry are our own, and in no way are representations of the views held by the Planet Ant Podcast Network or Planet Ant as an organization, even when we're right. Yell at us, not them. Thanks, and enjoy the show. This has been a production of Planet Ant Podcast, powered by Pinecast. Can I talk my shit now? I was playing two-hand touch, fuck it up, it's a hit now. When I hit the road, do a show, hit a lick, then I skip town. Run up in the spot, no dance, and I make them all get down. Boy, you better sit down. Yeah. Ain't nothing fancy, I'm still broke. Cross town like Yancey, I will throw. They say I'm in a spot they would kill for. I could put them in the wheel and they still won't. Get a deal with coke if I wasn't rapping about the past back dealing dope. Got yes, you with your several adopted siblings. I do have a few of those. Oh, on your yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, who, anyway, yeah, moving so, on. So, moving on. So, uh, do we do we have is this is this the intro? Or mm, I, I mean, I don't, we can just, yeah, um, <clears throat> all right. Ugh. Okay, I got it. Hey, hi, hello. Ugh. And welcome back once again to Worst in the Industry, the show where we three corpses attempt to make ourselves useful even in death, try to bring a little bit of uh, starchy goodness to the world, from our mouths to your ears. My name is Justin St. Peter, and um, I haven't been playing enough Dark Tide. To my left... Uh, my name is, uh, Colin Tallow Factory Stanley, and, uh, I'm, I'm made of, I'm made 100%, 100% beef tallow to my left. Uh, my name's Tyler, and all I know is that Colin's gonna be talking a lot of heresy while he's still within purging distance. You know, it's <laughs> whack how much heresy I be, seriously though, seriously though, I be, there's so much heresy going on like just casual just casual casual shit do people people casually blaspheming and it's like i would could fucking execute you for less i am i literally i'm literally invested with the power of the inquisition i should be allowed to execute my teammates for heresy you are allowed to execute your teammates for in case you can't tell ladies or folks at home um, we're talking about something that is Warhammer 40k related. No, we're not taking down Games Workshop. Not today. Um, oh, I, every day I, I think like I... Not today, Every cuts. day is uh, another day in the, the years-long <laughs> guerrilla warf against Games Workshop from every, <laughs> every owner of a 3D printer. An asymmetrical warfare against Citadel Miniatures. It's solidarity with Myanmar. Oh Christ! All right, so uh, Colin. Anyway, <laughs> yes, it's your uh, yeah. Today, I like the uh, the name. The title of the episode today is uh, "Human Resources," uh, <laughs> and uh, it's it's something that uh, a, a portion of Justin and I had talked about a long time ago, and I think we, we might have even mentioned on the podcast before, uh, but it became relevant again because we've all been playing. Uh, the fucking uh, Warhammer 40k game Dark Tide, 
and Mm -hmm. there's like a big reference that's i think gone kind of like semi-viral about uh corpse starch yeah and like the existence of a substance known as corpse starch in the 40k universe and it's it's basically like you know you're a soldier in the imperium and you die and then when you die they're like oh but there's some like good calories in here still and we don't want to you can't you can't just waste these we spent a lot of money on rations i got all these good calories i got all these other growing boys to take care of you gotta feed these growing boys so basically the imperium of man is just like (laughs) it's it's a galactic scale donner party massacre every day only they're Uh, doing it on purpose and like but like yeah like and obviously like you know because the whole thing with 40k right is 40k is all about satire and the big uh when it was originally written it was definitely more heavy on the satire and then as time went on it, there's definitely a lot of sniffing your own farts going on sometimes when it comes to 40k a little bit uh, it's there's there's uh, a lot of people who have to be like no you should not say things like i've got to hand it to the uh fucking inquisition or you know the emperor had some good ideas yeah because like clearly those are just like thinly veiled dog whistles about hitler yeah fascism because the emperor is a thinly thinly veiled veiled allegory uh about hitler like oh what if hitler survived like basically what if hitler was born in 3000 bce in sumeria what if hitler what if hitler was here's the thing though i do agree that uh, the emperor of mankind will be a Turk. I do agree that that is true. <laughs> I think that is accurate. It's. I'm sorry, Colin. I think what you mean is the emperor of mankind is already a Turk. The emperor of mankind is currently in a psychic meditative state, and uh, we're wait. He he's gonna arise in like twenty eight thousand years. Yeah, he'll he'll need a minute, but you know. That, yeah, when the nuclear holocaust happens. Yeah, he's gonna. He's... That's when. All right, we're getting we're getting too into the weeds with this. Anyway, yeah, yeah, we really are. Anyway, so uh, the whole point was, um, it's uh, the whole point of forty k is it's all overblown and it's it's this this crazy hysterical uh, set, uh, satire of fascism yeah. and capitalism and those things kind of like like run amok basically, uh, and the reference that they're making with corpse starch is like a very like morbid reference they're referencing uh the common uh piece of wartime uh propaganda and the terror tactic to uh employed by nazi concentration camp guards that they were uh turning the remains of uh their concentration camp prisoners who went uh into the ovens into soap and buttons uh and so on which was not true, which was completely unfounded, uh, and we actually have no evidence of that ever occurring, but was was something that was propagated uh, so thoroughly that a lot of people even today believe that that was true. Uh, even a lot of Jewish people uh, or people that had family members uh, in the Holocaust believe that that uh, was something that occurred. And it, and it wasn't. It was something that uh, was just uh, made up, but it was actually, uh, it has an even deeper... Uh, connection it didn't come out of nowhere that's what's really interesting and that's why i've uh i feel like we can do a little mini episode here about it because it's so interesting 
the concept and how intertwined with like these extremist uh like bubbling outs of this like capitalist instinct like this this industrial it's it's like the ultimate industrialization because everything is about like you know destroying the environment which is just an extension of us the self but this is like the complete industrialization of a human body you know very much that soylent and green uh idea of like ah like even at the end of the day even even yourself will be processed down and consumed uh that uh, there there is no end uh to consumerism uh i think and that's that's kind of the what the whole episode is about yeah. it's a little little mini little mini uh little peek at that so i feel like a quick little peek under the under the covers look under that that yeah. rug we got where everything's been swept yeah i just think it's an interesting thing and there's actually um it's really interesting uh that it became relevant again uh, earlier this year because um, there was a discovery uh, at the site, the archaeological site, at the Battle of Waterloo. Now, uh, Tyler, are you familiar with the Battle of Waterloo? Of course I Tyler, am. could you explain what the Battle of Waterloo was to the people? Okay, so... <clears throat> In a sentence... Napoleon's fucking stupid. Agreed. But why? That's pretty much it. Yeah. That's all I got for all you. Alright, straightforward. Concise, I like it. Honestly, I haven't, uh, I haven't, uh... haven't really paid attention to any of the fucking shit with the French in a long time, so... It's been, it's been a while. It's been a while. Uh, okay, so ba basically, to make a long story short, uh, Napoleon made a series of mistakes uh, in in Belgium uh, and fucked up and got his, his ass whooped. Uh, and it was, like, an incredibly bloody battle. Uh, like, as many as 20,000 men were killed uh, on June 18th, 1815. Uh, the Battle of Waterloo, because it's in the aftermath of the Battle of Waterloo that Napoleon is exiled uh, for the final time, uh, right? Oh, right, right, I forgot. He, uh, for the opening barrage of this battle, instead of using artillery, he decided to use a cavalry attack, which didn't work. Th it that did, did not. not work. Very famously so. It did not work. He's a maverick. He, you know, he, had, he, he kept was. him guessing. He had, he, yep. you gotta keep him guessing. Okay. Fight the yep, enemy it's all where coming they back. are not, Sun Tzu. He was, he, it's he had read his Sun Tzu. Back. Yeah, that was like one he's of four books his, at the time. Mitch, Mitch the Dragon Chilson, <laughs> he's read his Sun Tzu. Yep. And, oh yeah, and then they got flanked on both sides, their entire front half of their army got cut off, and uh, yeah, yeah, not good. Not good, Napoleon. But the, they, actually the Winged Tzars did not arrive. They, they lost very, very terribly. Very brutally. Over 20,000 men were killed. And uh, there were so many men killed, right, that, like, you know, you gotta understand, like, nowadays, unless, like, you're just completely, there's just nothing to bring, there's just nothing to put in a bag, you know, 
your family gets a body in a timely amount of time. If you're lucky. Right? If you're lucky, right? If you're lucky enough that, you know, they're not just, like, a pile of bones in, like, a burned-out Humvee somewhere. Mm-hmm. You, you get a body in, like, a very, like, reasonable amount of time. Uh, and I know this is a very, uh, like, like callous way to talk about this, but just, like, the logistics of it are impressive. They are. To, to say the least, right? From, like, the time... Impressive is a word for like, it. Uh, the efficiency of it is definitely something uh, to be uh, marveled at, despite the many other ways it is hyper-inefficient. Um, they didn't have anything like that back in 1815. Mm. What? You're telling me they didn't have, like, FedEx for so, corpses? So, like... You gotta understand that, like, you just, like, you're not gonna, what are you gonna, you can't bring the, yeah, I'm gonna, (laughs) I'm gonna, I'm gonna put 20,000 bodies on a cart, I'm gonna drive it all (laughs) around France and England. (laughs) Well, they didn't have DHL. (laughs) And asking people to fucking identify their, their dead, rotting, fucking putrefying son. Oh. well, especially because this was before the era of, like, dental records and, like, identification. So they're just waving it's corpses at people going, you know this guy? Exactly. And also, they're French and Englishmen. They all look the same. <laughs> There's no discernible feature difference. Like, they're like, oh, this one looks like a pig. This one looks like a fucking pig. This one, like, they're all, it's, they're all disgusting ham people. And it's, they're, it's indiscernible. It would be it would be a nightmare task. So you can't do that. So what do you do, Tyler? What do you do with all the bodies? You grind them up and you make a a gross, tasteless starch Not out of them. Yet, no, no, no. First, you gotta dig mass graves. Of course, yes, mass graves. So that's what happened in the, in the aftermath of the Battle of Waterloo. They dug these mass graves, right? Uh, these these giant fucking graves, uh, and just f- flopping piles and piles. Like they're they're literally talking about like there are accounts of the battle of War- the aftermath of the battle of Waterloo. Where people were like, yeah, I was like up to my waist in bodies. <laughs> like it's a lot of bodies. I'm just trying. Can't oh I can't stress this enough. It's a lot of people. Yeah. I mean, it it feels it like it is hard to emphasize when we were talking about war, especially in these events in like the 19th century and earlier where you still had large-scale mass battles like this the sheer quantity of corpses in one place alone is very difficult to understate like i think i think the only other event that that comes to mind for me is like the battle of antietam where it's like being like people are like you know mid mid shin in blood and like you know hip deep in bodies like just fucking waiting around yeah stabbing each other with bayonets yeah just like clubbing each other with rifle butts and stabbing each other with broken bayonets yeah that's the kind of shit uh yeah so i mean that was basically or it's like like the greeks when they were fighting off the nazis and they uh and all of the nazis uh 
Yeah, they fought them with pitchforks. They put flowers in their guns and garland around their neck and were like marching to like, I'm gonna die, I'm gonna die. And then they, uh. Nazis to death and tear out their teeth. Good for them. Yeah. Here's the thing. That's why. Here's the thing. That's why Greeks are honorary slobs, first of all. And second of all, it's why they're higher. I think they deserve it. They're higher in the hierarchy than Poles. And I don't like to, I don't like to well, admit I don't, that. I don't like listen. to admit that. But they fought back a lot better can, than we did. And that is all I will can say. Can we put them above... Well, I don't know about the Poles. We can put them above the Croats. Well, that's... Okay. It's low bars. <laughs> How about... I'd say... Let's say they're right below the Romanians. Fair? Right below... Like, right below the... Alba, or the Romanians. Above the Obviously Albanians. above the Albanians. <laughs> Be a, it'd be a slap in the face. <laughs> the Greeks, if we put the Greeks below the Albanians, they'd never forgive us. They'd not want to be part of it. It's, I'm loving this. I'm loving this like, exactly. weird power ranking you're doing right now. You know, you got, you know just, we're, we're going to have to do a, a, we're gonna have to do a Slavic uh, March Greeks. Madness this year. Albanians hate Greeks, and Greeks hate Albanians. But Albanians will tolerate Greek oppression more than a Greek would tolerate Albanian oppression. So that's that's why you got to be careful. you got to kind of like shifted it's like it's like seating your entire family at a wedding you know like okay we gotta pair them off you gotta be careful so anyway there's all these fucking bodies and uh you would assume right that uh when people later come to the site to excavate it for historical and archaeological purposes and in some cases you know sentimental purposes like uh, i want confirmation that my you know such and such died here uh, bitch, you good? You're fine. Shut up. Can't possibly. Uh, they uh, basically, they found that uh, a, a lot of these, all the bodies were missing. Like until a few years ago, we never found a body. At Waterloo? Yeah, they just, like, weren't there? This is news to me. I didn't know this, actually. Yeah. Like, like, yeah, we found bones. Like, we found horse bones. We found guy bones. But not 20,000 guy bones and horse bones worth. Yeah, not Not, anywhere near the actual... Not not nearly fucking enough. So that's that's why, for, like, years, archaeologists were working to, like triangulate uh and pinpoint based on uh memoirs and uh like uh written accounts uh and like uh you know personal maps of the battlefield where uh the mass graves were and they found the sites and they were fucking pretty much empty (laughs) there just weren't a whole lot of corpses there uh so then the question starts to become well uh hey (laughs) you know like uh the old the old poltergeist question where are the bodies? Where'd all you the bodies the go? Uh, and then you start to... Um, then you, it, what I would like to point you towards is uh, early 19th century uh, French uh, commercial trade. I know, it's a real... It's a real fucking humdinger. It's a real uh, titillating subject, I'm sure. Um, but what you might, what you might not know 
is that in the early 19th century, uh, France became a major exporter of sugar. Hmm. Uh, now this was, this was, um, this was actually one of, uh, this was one of the alternatives to, uh, cane sugar out of the slave trade that was becoming popular in Europe, Mm. uh, because that was, that was basically the, one of the things that helped, uh, get rid of slavery too, honestly, was the fact that, um, they had an alternative to cane sugar uh that they could uh produce that they could more easily monopolize the production of that they didn't have to have slaves and export slaves and buy slaves and manage that whole extra economy on top of uh they could just have these sugar beet uh farms and then have sugar beet uh, factory and refineries where they basically uh, pulp them juice them uh and then boil them down into into like brown sugar basically but because brown sugar was seen as an imperfect and impure product uh you have to find a way to bleach it oh i see where this is going yeah so fun fact everyone uh, at home uh white sugar is not vegan it contains animal product and this is why Yay. So, um, all right. Here, here's what I'm looking for. Uh, around 1820, sugar beet supplanted wheat near Waterloo. Uh, uh, Liege historian Bernard Wilkin told Belga, the sugar industry was established with bone ovens. The market value of bones, theoretically animals, mm. soared. Local farmers struggling to make ends meet would plunder graves, according to written sources from 1834. Ooh. We discovered an account of a German geologist who saw peasants digging up bones supposedly belonging to horses, but then one of them laughed and talked about the soldiers of the Imperial Guard, saying they're tall, and their bones can easily be confused with those of horses, Wilkins said. Ah, yes. The bone powder was sold for hundreds of thousands of francs at the time. Several times what a worker could expect to earn in a lifetime. Uh, And as a result of the high price point and the accessibility of battlefield corpses, human bones found their way into the baked goods eaten 200 years ago uh so that's uh yeah it's pretty wild yeah that that, huh that's from the bulletin the bulletin did a little uh write-up on that back in august when they uh because basically the they they found a a second skeleton a second uh full human skeleton at waterloo Mm -hmm. uh that that was not plundered and that was like super shocking so that that's why it became relevant uh and uh it's basically um these farmers these french peasant farmers made a cottage industry out of uh selling these bones and just like uh the bulletin remarks like 
they've marketed them a lot of times as animal bones. They would be like, oh, yeah, my cow fucking died. <laughs> like, no. my horse, yo, no, my horse died. <laughs> I found some, yeah, I found some horse bones. <laughs> like, well, you, gotta, you know, that skull's got a lot of bone in it. You know, you got a horse skull around? Just so full of, sh- just so clearly lying. Oh, yeah. Don't give a shit. And they would, you know, grind it up. And a lot of times what they would do is they would ship it uh, to England as fertilizer, right? Mm-hmm. Because bone do- bone meal makes great fertilizer. Uh, it's, it's a lot of calcium. Yeah. A lot of plants. It's good for their their cell structure. Yeah. Very nutrient rich. Uh, yes. Um, and also, uh, as we just said, they would also sell it to sugar beet refineries, uh, where they would turn it into bone ash, and then that ash is used to essentially bleach. Uh, the brown uh, beet sugar white uh, so people were like probably eating their relatives for a while yeah uh, did your son die at the battle of waterloo well don't worry he's with you forever now yeah and it's it's so interesting so um it's it's such like an evocative thing right that like it, but but you know relatively I wouldn't say unknown, but just, like, not very widely, I think, known. Uh, but because it had such a strong resonance in, like, the cultural memory, you'll see uh, that, you know, almost, uh, like, a century later, in World War One, uh, there, uh, a, a massive piece of wartime propaganda, anti-German wartime propaganda would come out uh referring to the german corpse factory uh or the carcass uh utilization factory uh which was also sometimes called uh the the german corpse rendering works or tallow factory Mm. and basically it was the concept that um (laughs) these uh when you died oh so you're telling you're telling me it's literally the corpse guild from (laughs) necromunda yes yes it's literally just the corpse guild. Yeah, they're basically, yeah. So there was this piece of anti-German propaganda that came out that had said basically that, yeah, the Germans have these, like, rendering plants where they're stacking up dead soldiers and, like, you know, boiling their fat for bars of soap. And, like, you know, uh, they're also, uh, the implication being that they're somehow uh, eating a portion yeah. Uh, that some of it's being turned into food stuff, like that's that's always the implication with this, right? The, the kind of ghoulishness of it, um, and that's that's what some people even uh, credit with being one of the uh, like inspirations for uh, that uh, that piece of rhetoric, that terror tech one veterans remembering that propaganda and deciding to deploy it like like you know antagonistically like being like yes it is true and yes we're doing it to you yeah exactly so that's i i thought it was very interesting the connection and then just the connection all the way to like the most uh disconnected contextless alienated version where it's just a throwaway fucking one-line joke in a video game (laughs) but it has this has, has this Catholic horrific history fascism. of like 
people desperate to survive, like, doing <coughs> the most ghoulish, morbid things that, you know, any quote-unquote civilized person would shudder at because they're trying to make ends meet for their families. Uh, and then also that yeah. that reality, that that reality being deployed cynically by fascists who are the ultimate, ultimate false class consciousness. It's just, like, it's so perfect. Like, the way it works out, like... It's so ex exactly, you know. It just makes so much sense to me, and I thought it, I thought it'd be an interesting little little topic, yeah. little, little, little little just little little yeah little, uh, a moose bouche. It certainly makes for a fun little uh, reflection back on exactly where we get these inspirations for satire from, and honestly, how disconnected from satire most of modern society has become. It's uh, it's wild. It's why, and I do. I think it's so interesting too, when they talk about like. <laughs> for so long, like weren't people like, what the fuck? Where are all the bodies at Waterloo? Like, <laughs> weren't. Yeah, I, I feel like nobody questioned it because like somebody knew something and was like, I don't want to blow up this spot with the fucking corpse or the bone starch. So the bone sugar, bone ash, not bone starch. Also, there is like a, I mean, like a, an almost folkloric aspect to it. I mean, the idea of like, you know, having your bones ground yeah, down to just, flour. Like, it's so weird. Yeah. And like, it's it's so occultish. That's why it's so, it's so evocative, mm -hmm. I feel. Like, it's such a, it's such a strong image. Because it is like, so like, you know, like you're saying like, ah, oh, like it's uh, an archetypical image almost. Yeah, I mean that's it's it's the line from Jack and the Beanstalk. Fee fi fo fum. I smell the bo uh, bones of an Ew. Englishman. And then he talks about grinding his bones down for flour. Which, by the way, that giant's not going to get a lot of flour out of a, a normal sized human well, being. Well, get like a quarter cup. Maybe he's just making pancakes. Or crepes, I, I guess. I mean, valid, but yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah, maybe maybe he's making some dosas. Making some dosing. Great. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I want to go to breakfast oh, at the giant's right. house. She's making doses out of Englishman bones? He's making doses out you, of people? If you made a dosa yeah, out of bro. Englishman's bones, that's an ultimate own. That is a it's pretty like making a pierogi out of fucking German people. Uh-oh. <laughs> Tyler, can we put that on the bucket list? Making a pierogi out of making a pierogi out of Germans. <laughs> I'll allow. It. I'll, I'll find a wi I'll find a willing one. Right. You got to we'll get him to sign. We'll get him to sign a waiver. <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll get him I'll to sign him off. I won't have to look kill him. I'll just like cut a chunk to... out. Oh, I think you'll have a harder time finding a German that still <clears throat> wants to live after well, that. I don't think a lot of Germans want to live. Period. But I can't really do anything for the guy. I mean, fair I mean, enough. I'm just in it. I'm just in it for the for the for the pierogi, dude. I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna just braise for the pierogi. Okay. I'm gonna with beer <coughs> and uh, some some smoked <coughs> sausage and cabbage and onion, carrots, rutabaga. You know when they. 
when they talk about the iron kielbasa in 20 years, when when Colin sits atop his throne yeah, in Krakow, um, he, you know, he's 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 gonna make the Germans really fear. You know, he's gonna they're they're gonna have the pierogi plants I right will, on the border, and I, uh, I can't wait to invade Germany. I can't wait to 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 fucking invade Germany and then uh, reform the Soviet Union. With the Russian Federation, that's the plan, basically for me. That's I think that's the move, and I think you know I'm gonna get. I want to ask. I want to get the Chinese in on it. I'm gonna get the comrades in the East in on it. Okay, so we gotta get. There you I want to talk to Kim Jong Un because honestly, I don't know much about him personally, besides all the Western imperialist dog propaganda. Uh. He seems like he seems like kind of a man. Cool he guy. really loves basketball. If he likes basketball, like I feel like we could we have some common ground. He probably likes the movie Uncut Gems. We could probably bond over that. Yeah, he's probably, he's probably a big fan. Of I would assume he he really likes Uncut Gems. And if, if he, do you think he's? Do you think, I I feel you like know, Kim Jong Un and who Pete doesn't? Davidson probably have the same personality. I feel like they're probably basically the same guy. Like Kim Jong, I believe like, that Pete Davidson is like you know, he's entitled, but in like a sad way. Like my dad died in nine eleven, and Kim Jong Un is like, yeah, my dad was like kind of a dictator a little bit, but also he was the con- like he was, you know, also. I feel like you're kind of glossing you know, over some things. Some things about him weren't great. It's talking about he was kind of a dictator a little bit in what is basically uh, a I, feudalist family. Yes, obviously. Uh, but initially, they had a lot of things going well. That's the pro. That's the. That's the trouble. I'm with not going to disagree. It? it always starts out great. <laughs> well, it's you know Kim Il Sung had some great ideas, and then the problem is that he just yeah, gave it to his really dickhead fumbled. son. That's the fail sons. You know what? Him, fucking George H. W. Bush was a failed son, uh, who changed the course of the fucking uh, world. Uh, Kim Jong Il, uh, fucking uh, <laughs> uh, what's his face? Um, the uh, military leader of the D- the Democratic Republic of Congo. Uh, that guy was also a failed son. Uh, like, you could just literally, mm-hmm. just across the globe, every guy who's, like, the the second pick, loser, shitty asshole, is the guy who's, like, currently destroying his country. I love that. I fucking yeah. love that. Um, now that being said, if you want to see a, a great movie about succession in Soviet states, uh, watch The Death of Stalin. It's obviously, like, incredibly fictional. It's incredible. Uh, you know, but oh yeah, it's uh, it feels fun. It still feels fun, and it doesn't feel, it doesn't it's feel fun. offensively it's... derogatory towards communism as a concept. So I give it yeah three thumbs up out of five. I would say it's definitely at least worth that. Um, it, personally, Nikita, Kr- or, uh, I should say Steve Buscemi as Nikita Khrushchev, but just as Steve Buscemi, incredible. I give Zukov two sickles out of hammer. Oh, God. Jason Isaacs is so good in that 
movie. All right, we're getting off track. Um, do you have anything else on the uh, the corpse starch, Colin? No, it's basically it. It's 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 just like an interesting little like uh, little deep dive reference that gets uh, now it gets it's it's been pasteurized into a, a fun little joke in a uh, a quirky niche video game. Uh, uh, but right. it has uh, roots in a, a terrible slaughter that uh, rent the continent in twain. Uh, and then was uh, reinforced through the uh, uh, natural genetic fascistic tendencies of dirty, dirty crowds. Yeah. Now, uh... <laughs> you know most most white people in America are crowds. Do you know that? Yeah. Yo, I know. I'm. I mean, I'm a good portion German. Oh yeah, I am too. Yeah. Yep. All right. Well, thank you, folks at home, for uh, taking a listen to this little mini sode here we got going on. Um, we will be back next week with a, the beginning of our likely three, possibly four-part series on Thomas Edison. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah, we're getting, I'm, I'm getting oh. real fucking into it. Did I, have, um, I, have, I, have I told the account of my confrontation with Thomas Edison on the podcast before? Well, you mean with that Thomas Edison uh, reenactor at Greenfield Village? <laughs> have, I, have I done that on the podcast? No, but we're saving that to <laughs> the man school. you yeah, I'll accosted. Save, I'll save it for the series. I'll save. I'll save probably my my most diagnosable moment for that series. Yes. Yeah. yeah, we'll talk. We'll talk about Colin harassing actors <laughs> later. <laughs> they deserve it. <laughs> All right. Thanks for listening, everybody. Bye. Bye. Actors. Bye. Still low. They all corporate, they all cute in suits. Yeah, on bullshit with all that poop to scoop. My shit going up. I go root to roof. They don't like that. They want mute the truth. They gon' switch sides. They go.